Welcome to the Pure Parenthood podcast, brought to you by Pure Baby. I'm your host, Tiffany Wells, and I'm the head educator here at Pure Baby. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Pure Parenthood. In today's episode, we discuss everything you need to know about a maternal and child health nurse. We're joined by Claire Peake, who is a recently graduated maternal and child health nurse and is also a registered nurse and midwife at Epworth Freemasons Hospital. Hi, Claire. Thanks so much for coming on to chat today. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, it's so great to have you. So, Claire, in my mind, the first obvious question would be, what exactly is a maternal child health nurse for all the listeners out there? Because I think a lot of people may have heard of one but not necessarily know what they do and what their role is. Yeah, sure. So in Victoria, a maternal and child health nurse is a qualified registered nurse and a registered midwife with additional qualifications in maternal and child health, which can usually be done either in a postgraduate diploma or a master's degree in child and family health. But depending on where you are and you know the state that you live in, that can vary. Mm. So maternal and child health nurses, they focus on the growth and development of your baby, as well as supporting the entire family unit as a whole. Wow. So this includes things like helping new parents with things like health, uh, development, behaviours, immunisations, feeding and settling. So as well as connecting families to local support groups, uh, we also write referrals and we run new parents groups as well. So it's very busy. Yeah, sounds it. (laughs) So when you're pregnant, it's the midwives, obstetricians or GP who are usually your lead care providers. However, in Victoria, when you leave the hospital, your care is taken over by a maternal and child health nurse in your local council. So you'll have regular appointments at key age and stages to track the growth and development of your baby. Okay, wow. So the role of maternal and child health nurse is clearly so important in providing care after you leave the hospital. I know that with my first, I learned a lot from her when she came to visit me. And, you know, it's so great to know that those sorts of services are still available. And I'm sure this role has evolved even more since I had my first sort of 19 years ago. Yeah. Um, So how does someone become one and how long does it take to complete the training? Because it sounds like you know a lot and uh, it's taken you a fair while to, to grasp all that information, I'm sure. Yes, it has taken a while. So uh, in Victoria, um, to become a maternal and child health nurse, you need to have already completed a Bachelor of Nursing and Midwifery uh, and worked a minimum of one year full-time in both of these areas. And then you go on to study the postgraduate diploma of maternal and child health or a master's degree in child and family health. Mm. So depending on which route you take and where you're studying, it can sort of differ in how long it takes. But for me, it took five five years uh actually sorry six years full-time wow. uh, six years full-time and then part-time so yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a bit confusing but pretty much what I did was um I studied nursing first and I did that for three years full-time and then I worked for a couple of years in general nursing mm. uh, and then I studied midwifery one year full-time and worked as a midwife for about three years and then I started the graduate diploma in child and family health and that took me two years and that's where I did it part-time. Yeah, wow. There's such a lot of study involved, Claire. Well done on all of that. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. So having all those years of prior study as well as a nurse and midwife and taking on that graduate diploma in you know, child and, and family health nursing for uh, for another two years. No wonder maternal child health nurses have <laughs> such a wealth of knowledge to offer. Wow, that's incredible. Mm-hmm. So, so how does the role of maternal child health nurse differ from a 
midwife and traditional nurse because I guess as you sort of explained you have to have those other things first but what is the main difference I guess between the maternal and child health nurse and then the traditional nurse and, and midwife really like what's the main things we need to think about there? Sure. So midwives have an expertise in pregnancy, birth and the first six weeks postpartum, Mm. whereas maternal and child health nurses learn about the growth and development of babies and children up to actually the age of six years old. Wow. So it's quite a big range of age there. Yeah. Uh, In general, your maternal and child health nurse is there to be a really great support system for you in the community. Mm. Um, Although you may not have 24-hour access to that particular nurse, there is a maternal and child health line that is a 24 hours, seven days a week service with a very experienced maternal and child health nurses on the other side of the line. Mm. So that's a really fantastic service that I'd really wish to promote. Yeah, Maternal and child health nurses have an extensive knowledge of child and family health, but also the development and the behaviour of children. Mm. So they aim to develop and maintain working relationships with parents and families. They link families to services within the community. They'll see you for 10 key agent stage visits. They focus on the sort of weight and measurement of your baby, but also check your babies up to date with their vaccinations. Um, they also provide families with evidence-based information regarding health and well-being of their baby and family. Mm. Uh, and they can assist you with writing referrals to early parenting centres or sleep schools as some people know them as, just to name a few aspects of our role. Yeah, wow, there's so much there that you obviously offer. So it's great to define these a little bit more so everyone can kind of understand out there sort of what what your role is. So then we can understand a bit more about the incredible care that you guys provide and, and I guess to know that there is that support once you leave hospital because I think, you know, there's so yeah. much knowledge about, I guess, what people get before birth and then during the birth Definitely, and when they're in hospital, yes. but not so much about... And that's usually, <laughs> yeah, that's usually the main focus, what seems to be. You sort of go through so much about, you know, getting pregnant and the pregnancy and the birth and that sort of going home part seems to be a little bit forgotten sometimes. Yeah. So I think it's a really important area. Absolutely. Yeah, from memory, I think I had a maternal child health nurse first come visit me about a week after I had my first baby. So that was, as I said, like yeah. almost 19, well, 19 years ago now. So, but I was in Sydney at the time. So obviously New South Wales and Victoria might be a bit different, but when yeah. do you sort of typically get that first visit from the maternal and child health nurse, Claire, because I guess that's a really important thing that people want to know and it might differ from state to state, but it'd be just good to know, I guess, from your perspective, what happens sort of in Victoria and, and when you can typically expect that first visit, because I guess there is that period of time between hospital and then when you see one. So it'd be great for people to have a bit more of an idea about that, I think. So you normally see a nurse at the home visit and that's usually around uh, sort of seven to ten days following the birth of your baby and this is the first visit that you'll have with the nurse. This is usually an opportunity for the nurse to see how things are going in the home environment Uh, and the nurse will also check where the baby's sleeping at the home visit. Uh, Your baby will be weighed as well and then however the focus is usually sort of around gathering information assessing sort Mm. of any feeding issues that you might be having, discussing any concerns Mm. um, and just ensuring that your recovery from the birth is going well. Mm. Yes. Okay, so things haven't changed that much, I guess, in the sense that you'll still see 
that maternal child health nurse sort of roughly seven to ten days following the birth of your baby. Yeah. So when you come home, you can expect to have that a bit that bit of help, I guess. And it's so convenient having someone come to your home. I think. Well, in my experience, it was definitely having someone there that you can chat with and you can ask questions and to reassure you that everything's okay and kind of watch what you're doing and you can ask questions and get them to show you things and. Yeah, I remember that was yeah. just so incredible having that advice and support like at home. So for everyone listening today, Claire, what service and advice and support should we expect from a maternal child health nurse in, in a bit more detail from, from all the visits and things and what types of real support are you going to get? I know you've mentioned a little bit, but it'd be good to go into that a little bit more, I think. Yeah, sure. I mean, depending on what support people want as well, it's really client-based. So mm. what, what they're wanting from you, sort of how you guide your your visits. But we do give a lot of advice in regards to parenting and there's so many different ways to parent your baby and child. Mm. So mm. we're not here to tell you how to do it. We're just here to tell you, you know, make it safe. And, you know, again, as I said, there's going to be many different ways. Um we know we go through starting solids around the four months and healthy eating and mm. uh, we talk a lot about sleep and settling including the period of purple crying so some people might not have heard of the period of purple crying but it's a way to help parents understand that what's happening in their baby's life mm. and it's a really normal part of an infant's development so purple is actually an acronym and p stands for the peak of crying u stands for unexpected r stands for resist soothing P stands for pain-like face, L stands for long-lasting, and E stands for evening. So it's sort of a more complicated way of explaining colic, but I think it, you know, really gives parents that that word that they can actually relate to. Mm. Um, We talk a lot about unsettled behaviour and tantrums with obviously older babies and children. Mm. Um, We do a lot of help with breastfeeding or bottle feeding, depending on what you've chosen to do. Um, Development and learning and behaviour, child safety, immunisation information, uh, as well as self-care. So lots of information in regards to mental health and as well as family violence. Yeah, well, you really do cover so many topics in, in your role, Claire. It's just incredible. There's so much that you guys offer and, and in the way of support and all that sort of thing. I think it's so great. All these first-time parents out there are going to love to to be reassured that there is that bit of support out there. And, and obviously, you yeah. provide so much, so much help. So to give us all a bit more in-depth understanding about each visit, could you take us through what typically would happen in each of those sessions or visits? Because I think, as you said, there's got to be so many visits happening. Um, just to give us a bit more of an idea idea around when they're going to happen and and what will happen in each of those visits a bit more sure so again it'll vary depending on the key agent stage visit okay Um, but in victoria you'll see the maternal and child health nurse for 10 key agent stage visits um and this list is for victoria only so other states may vary slightly um but this includes the home visit and as i said that's around about one week of age so between sort of seven to ten days following the birth of your baby yeah and then we see you again at two weeks four weeks eight weeks and then what happens is they start to become a little bit longer in the gap so then we see you at four months eight months 12 months 18 months, two years, and three and a half years. So that three and a half years is usually the last visit. However, as 
explain before, we actually can see you later on. So, you know, if there's issues coming up to school or, mm. you know, we can actually see children a little bit later as well. So, again, that service is, is so range. Yeah. So at each of these visits, the topics discussed will change depending on the age, as I said. At these visits, your baby will be weighed and measured. You'll be asked questions about your health and the well-being of your family. Mm. You'll be asked questions about family violence, which is a really big thing at the moment. Yeah. And you'll also be given up-to-date information regarding parenting and the health and well-being of your baby. Yeah. Depending, again, on the age and stage, your maternal and child health nurse will offer you lots of information, support and guidance on many different aspects of your child's growth and development. So this will include things like feeding, settling, sleeping, newborn behaviours, SIDS and safety. Um, we'll go through prone play, immunisations, breastfeeding or bottle feeding, recovery from your birth, self-care, car safety, safety in the home, especially when your little ones get up and moving, Yeah, <laughs> which uh, can be a bit scary yes, sometimes. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, and also family and relationships. So just making sure, you know, your mental health's okay. And again, we just go through the Edinburgh Postnatal Depression Scale, which is just a little scale that we do to assess how you're going, yeah. um, as well as family violence questions. Yeah, that's great. There's certainly a lot of things that you cover, and I think it's critical information. So many of these things are things that you you know, don't necessarily know where to go to get support from or there's just so many resources yeah. and you don't know when you start googling you've got no idea what <laughs> you're going to come up with so it's so wonderful to know a bit more about that thanks so much Claire so where can you find your maternal and child health nurse or suggested providers because I think again you know a lot of people be like oh wow these guys offer so much <laughs> where do we find them how does that all work so nurses are based in the local community and there'll be many centres depending on your council, especially in the inner city Melbourne. And then if you're in rural, there might only be one centre per council. Uh, usually women are assigned to the centre closest to their home address, which can make it really convenient for them to walk to, especially if they've had a caesarean section or drive to the centre as well. Mm. And there's also the maternal and child helpline. So this is a 24-hour confidential line that gives you information and advice about the care and health of your child. So when you call the service, a qualified maternal and child health nurse can discuss any concerns you've got. So whether it's, you know, your child's health, nutrition questions, feeding, or your own health and well-being as well, or any parenting issues that you might have. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great. I remember there were times late at night when I had questions that I, you know, wanted to ask about the health and well-being of my baby or just how I'm going and not knowing sort of where yeah. to turn. So it's great that you've got that 24-hour access because I think that gives people a bit more reassurance to know that they can get that information and advice and care, you know, at any time of day because it often happens middle of the night, you know, when you're thinking, Absolutely. oh, my God, Absolutely. where do I turn? It's and usually you think, the middle of the night it when is. you just don't know what to do and, yeah. you know, you're just thinking, you know, who is out there for me so exactly it's a fantastic service we're we're really really lucky to have it so, yeah so lucky yeah. and we've got so many incredible services now I guess available to us um with all the technology that's available now too but just knowing that there's yeah. someone on the phone you can actually physically talk to I think is so wonderful you know you can obviously google you can ask questions via that way but I think physically talking to someone is such an important thing these days to be able to have that conversation so that's great so what Definitely. would you wish that first-time parents knew before they had their first visit and what resources are available at you know between the time that I guess they leave hospital 
and then they have that visit with the maternal child health nurse you mentioned that 24-hour line but what are the other resources what are the types of things that they can access between that period because that can be a very tricky time to settle in at home and and you know you may have questions and there might be things you want to look into so what are some of those other resources, Claire, that you think you could maybe mention for us today? Yeah, sure. So I think it's really important that we try to normalise the newborn behaviours. Mm. Um, there's so much focus, as I said before, on the pregnancy and the birth and that immediate postpartum period. Mm. Um, however, there's usually not that much information out there on what new parents need to know about taking their baby home for the first time. Yeah. So I think it's really important to you know read your baby's cues and learn your baby's body language. So so that gives you so much important information about what he or she is trying to tell you. Mm. So are they hungry? Are they tired? Are they ready for play? Or are they just really needing a break? Yeah. It's really important for parents to learn their baby's particular cues and this will allow them to respond appropriately to mm. their baby's needs. Mm. So limiting too many visitors as well in the first few weeks, I think it's really important until you're really settled in the home and you've recovered from the labour and birth. Mm. I think, you know, not having too many people around, um, you know, you might want to have your immediate family, but think of some ways that people can actually help without actually lingering in your home for too long, whether yeah. they can cook you a meal or, mm. you know, pick up your other child or something like that that could help. You know, get support from your support system, you know, as I said. So just your partner or your other family members or any friends that are willing to help, accept that help. I think it's sometimes it's really hard to actually accept the help that's offered. Yeah. Try not to put too much pressure on yourself in the first sort of few weeks to start a routine. I think babies... You know, they're not really able to follow routine until that sort of six to eight week mark anyway. So mm. try not to think that, you know, your baby's going to sleep through, you know, in the first few nights because it's probably just not going to happen. Yeah. They usually start to, you start to sort of see a bit of a pattern if you're following one around the 12 week mark. But again, okay. try not to put too much pressure on yourself. Mm. So as for resources that I normally recommend, you know, you've talked a couple of times about Google. We normally recommend not using good old Dr. Google <laughs> uh, for your resources just because sometimes they can be a little bit unreliable yeah. and can lead you down a bit of a scary track. So, yeah. you know, it's really important to use, you know, evidence-based resources that are out there and we're very lucky that we've got so many. So the first one is the Raising Children's Network and this is a fantastic website with evidence-based up-to-date information and it's really easy for new parents to use. Mm. There's a little search button up the top that you can actually just pop in, you know, what you want to know and it'll come up with the relevant information. Right. So it's really, really easy to use. Yeah. There's the Nurse on Call, which is a 24-hour, seven days a week telephone helpline that provides immediate expert advice from a registered nurse. Yeah. Again, the Maternal and Child Healthline, I know I've spoken about this a couple of times already, but again, this is a 24-hour, seven days a week telephone helpline providing advice from a maternal and child health nurse. Yeah. There's the Maternal and Child Health app, which is oh. a really good app because, you know, you can plot in your baby's growth and development into it, but it also comes up with relevant developmental information depending on how old your baby is. Mm. Um, there's also the Australian Breastfeeding Association. So this is a service that supports and encourages women who are wanting to breastfeed or provide breast milk for their babies. This service has a 24-hour breastfeeding helpline, an informative website with numerous print and digital resources. Wow, yeah. The Panda, so Panda is a website and call service that supports 
women, men and families across Australia who are affected by anxiety and depression during pregnancy in the first year of parenthood, Mm. as well as your green book. So your green book actually has all of this information as well. Usually most parents I speak to haven't actually had a chance to go through the green book before they get home from hospital, but it's a really, really good resource. And when you get a moment, it'd be really good to have a look through it. Yeah, some great tips there, Claire. Thanks so much. The resources available today are phenomenal, like we mentioned before, and highlighting some of these for everyone I think will be so helpful. So so the Green Book, Claire, I'm guessing that's the same as the Blue Book I would have received in New South Wales when I had my baby all those years ago. And I, and I actually had all my children sort of interstate, so I'm guessing it would be a little bit different. I'm sure it's just the colour of the book that differs, but I remember that there was so much information that was in there. So that was sort of like my Bible, I guess. So... Um, <laughs> So the green book is the same sort of thing as the blue book, is it? Yeah, and as you said, it is like a baby Bible. This is You're going to hold on to this hopefully forever. It's a really great resource and it has so much information that it appears really overwhelming at first. And I think since the blue book, the green book that we have now has so much more information in it. You can even see, like I've seen the blue book and it's quite thin, yep. whereas the green book's literally the size of a Bible. It's wow. huge. Um, <laughs> So there's so much information. And like I said before, most parents I speak to in the hospital, they haven't even had a chance to, you know, even flip through it while they're having their hospital stay. So, you know, it's really good to try and have a look at it. You know, when you get, just before you get home or when you get home and you've got a moment, just read through it and you'll you'll see it's got little tabs, you know, on specific key age and stages that we see you. But behind those key age and stage tabs, they've actually got, you know, things that you can do in regards to play with your baby and, you know, things that you might expect at this age. So really, really good information. Yeah, well, I don't think I looked at mine until I got home and was feeding my baby because <laughs> it was just so overwhelming. And I guess having your first baby, there's so many things you're trying to take in and you're tired and there's all these different things that you're kind of, it's such a massive learning curve. So to sit down and read you know, a book is not often something you have time to do. But I really wish that I I had looked at it more actually before I went home just so I knew that those things were available. But I definitely found it helpful once I did and I referred to it a lot. I remember in that first little while particularly once I realised that that information was there. So it's, yeah, it is amazing. And so much work's been put into it, you can tell. So that's great to know. Definitely, Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, so Claire, before we finish up today, as a maternal child health nurse, what are your top tips for first time parents? Because I think, you know, it's always great to get those last sort of few things from you that you would love people to know or that you really feel like are those top things you would want to really get through to people if you had the opportunity to sit down and have a chat with a first-time parent. What are those key things that you would really, I guess, want them to know and would love to sort of share with everyone today? Yeah, so again, just making sure you're watching your baby for their cues. Try to let them tell you what they need because they're all just so different. Yeah. Just try and work down a bit of a list of what could be happening for your baby. So are they tired? Are they hungry? Have they got a wet or dirty nappy? Or just do they want a little cuddle from you as well? Mm. Making sure that you remember you can't really overfeed a breastfed baby. So we get a lot of questions about this in the centre. And some babies will, they'll feed every three to four hours and others will want to feed every one to two hours. And this will change. You know, you might have a really good night where 
get a really good stretch of sleep, you know, four or five hours, and then the next night your baby's feeding every one to two hours, and that's mm. absolutely normal. Okay. You're not doing anything wrong. Yeah. So uh, the witching hour, so this is not just one hour, and a lot of parents prefer to the witching hour. I call it the witching hours um, <laughs> as it usually lasts more than one hour, yeah. and it tends to be in the evening. And usually it's just due to a bit of buildup of wind, and this, you know, the wind throughout the day just slowly builds up and builds up and then it just, you know, it really starts to irritate them in the end of the day and they can get that pain-like face, you yeah. know, that we're talking about with purple crying. Yeah. You know, and just ensure that you're frequently winding your baby throughout feeds if you're finding this happening and as well just throughout the day, you know, when your baby wakes up, just make sure that, you know, you're giving them a wind and especially after straight after a feed. Yeah. Ensure you do lots of tummy time. So this can really help with the head, neck and strength of your baby's head and neck. Yeah. You can start this straight away. We get a lot of questions in hospital. Oh, is it safe to start this? Absolutely. Mm. We get a lot of questions about dry skin. So I just wanted to try and normalise dry skin and it is very normal. So babies have been floating around in water in utero for the last nine months. It's very normal for their skin to be dry. What you can do is you can just apply a bit of a gentle non-perfume moisturiser on their skin um, morning and night or straight after a bath, whatever you want to do. Mm. Again, I just wanted to reiterate the uh, period of purple crying. This relates to the specific characteristics, you know, during the first few months of life. And usually that peak of crying happens around two months of age. So it is normal, so around that eight-week mark. Yeah. And then it usually settles around five months. And okay. parents have actually said, you know, the period of purple crying has finally given them something that, you know, describes what they're going through. The word colic was actually really hard to get a handle on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so if your baby's unsettled, though, make sure you do seek assistance because it can be really distressing and speak to your maternal and child health nurse about it. Mm. And finally, ask for help if you need it. Having a new baby can be a really, really anxious time for some parents. So calling a friend or a family member to come over and give you a hand just to give you a break, you know, even if it's just for a shower, it'll make the world of difference. Yeah, thank you so much for your wonderful insight today, Claire. We really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule to chat with us about this really important you know, topic and, and to reassure all the parents out there that they, they can get help. There is that support there and what they can expect yeah. once they leave hospital and get settled into their new home and space with their little ones. So I really appreciate your time. Thank you again, Claire. No worries. Thank you so much for having me and good luck everyone out there. <laughs> Thanks so much. So for more information on any of the topics covered in today's episode, you can head to www.raisingchildren.net.au or our blog on this episode. Thank you so much for taking the time to tune in today. I hope you found this helpful. Don't forget to subscribe and tell your friends about this podcast. And if you like listening, please leave us a review. See you next time.